Hey, everybody. I am here with Jack Leiter, the man, the myth, the legend. I'm going to fill your head with everything right now. Welcome, Jack. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure, dude. Um, so let me ask you my first question. And this is something that has come up on my Twitter account is, what is it like uh, growing up in the Leiter household in a baseball family? And to what extent has your, has your dad furthered your career? Because everybody loves your dad. Your dad is one of those energetic, great baseball people. And, uh, and, and just people are curious. So if you can walk us through that, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's incredible, a huge advantage as, as a, somebody who ended up being a pitcher to have someone like my dad in the household. But, but from a young age, it wasn't, it wasn't like, that's what I needed to do. It was always kind of whatever you're going to do, just be the best you possibly can at that. And I think it just kind of worked out that I fell in love with, with the game of baseball and with pitching. Of course, of course, that's what he wanted me to do, but that's not what he, what he actually was telling me. And um, I think that was helpful because it kind of became, became my own journey with the help of him. It wasn't like it was anything like it was his journey that he was pushing and pushing for me to do. It was, it was all me. And, and, um, and I think that's, that's important. And it really wasn't as a pitcher at first, it was, it was playing second base and he says he wanted me to be a hitter. And um, I was, I was the smallest guy on my travel baseball teams and, you know, it is batting ninth and, and uh, just working hard on the side. And, and then a growth spurt came along and kind of started taking my time in the weight room seriously around sophomore year. And, and um, everything sort of started to come together a little bit on the mound. Do you think there's some advantage to being the smallest guy? Um, and this is my theory, is that sometimes if you're good early or the best early, you don't work as hard. But being the smallest guy, sometimes you do work harder. And then when you grow into it, you end up with great work habits. Yes, I definitely think that's that's a part of it. It's sort of that that chip on your shoulder being being a smaller guy and, and even now being a, a six foot right handed pitcher. That's, I guess, considered a little bit undersized for a right handed pitcher. But I think it's sort of carrying that chip on your shoulder and and proving those people wrong. I think that's important. What drove you to love pitching versus being a position player versus other sports? Like, why are you a pitcher? I just think there's nothing like it. I think it's, it's so much fun. I mean, I was talking to my roommate last night. Um, I, I think I was watching the video of you talking to, well, I was watching the video of you talking to Stroman and, and him talking about his unique grips. And I just think it's, it's kind of incredible that you can, you can mess around with a grip and suddenly it's your nastiest pitch. And there's just always that, that potential. And I think, I think because of that, it's like pitching really is an art and it's, it's really fun to mess around with. Well, one thing that uh, that you mess around with a lot, and this is something that jumps out to kind of everybody, is your mental approach on the mound. Like, uh, knowing it or not, um, you can be pretty, it's intimidating. It's, it's a bunch of different things. I want you to walk me through, like your dad, your dad when I talked to him, said, one of the things he focused on is mental game with you. He puts up notes and everything everywhere and paid quotes and stuff. Um, take me through some of that. What are your key mindset uh, cues? Yes, definitely mental. The mental game is really important. It's something that my dad stressed. I'm, I'm sure this came up in his, in his discussion with you, but, but he always says that he, did, he didn't have it figured out. He got drafted as a guy with a great arm and, 
his mechanics were a little bit all over the place and he had, he had some injuries. And I think he was 27 or 28 years old when he thought he was done playing baseball and, and um, he wanted to become an engineer or something else. And, and he sort of reinvented the mental side of it. And, and mechanically he also reinvented himself. And then his prime happened after that, which is, which is pretty rare for pitchers, I think. So he kind of stressed that to me from a young age. Um, he, he was a good friend with Harvey Dorfman and he, he always had me reading chapters of, of the mental ABCs of pitching. And, and I think it's so interesting. And before my starts in high school, he would kind of bookmark like four or five chapters that he thought were, were important for me to, to focus on for that next day. And it was sort of reading that, that mental aspect the night before I went to sleep and then kind of visualizing myself doing it in bed that night and then them waking up already having kind of pitched before I even pitched that day. So I think that's, that's really important. And his mantra that he kind of came up with, with Harvey Dorfman was that you have to be mentally and physically prepared to execute a quality pitch consecutively without allowing exterior distractions to get into the, to get in the way um, until the manager takes the ball or the game's over. The job of a pitcher is to be mentally and physically prepared to execute a quality pitch consecutively until the game is over or the manager takes the ball. And that was sort of something that I just, I memorized that, that mantra. And it really just comes down to that of executing the next pitch, whatever happened before or after is, um, is kind of irrelevant. And when I'm, when I'm really locked in and, and focused, that's, and I think any pitcher is, that's all they're focused on is, is what they're going to do for the next pitch. I find though that that is a, so everybody wants to throw hard. Everybody wants to, you know, have nasty pitches but the mental game is like the last to come for people. And for you, I even noticed that I made a point last year of watching you and that your poise and mental game jumped out to me over anybody else I'd seen at this age. Like, so uh, like, what is your routine on the mound? What is your reset cues? Um, or is it just totally just have blinders on? So for me, sometimes, sometimes when I lose, lose my command, it, it actually happened this past week a little bit. I was, I was spraying the ball a little bit. And for me, that's when I get, I get out of the, out of that um, sort of mindset a little bit. It's sort of like uh, you start thinking about anything else, but the next pitch. And that's all I really should be thinking about. And honestly, the batter doesn't really matter. The scouting reports and all that are, they are helpful and it is helpful to know what a hitter is good and bad at, but once I'm, once I'm there and if I'm locked in, it's, it's really just you and the glove. The, the hitter's not even there. And sometimes it sort of gets to like, a, oh, you just threw a ball. Like, like you're really confident and you're like, this guy doesn't have a chance. He's not going to hit you. So just, you know, just throw a strike. And just throw a strike isn't really what you should be thinking. It's, it's sort of that, that blank mind. You, it's almost like you're not thinking at all when you're, when you're locked in. So that's sort of the mindset you strive to get to as a pitcher, I think. Well, I thought it was really impressive your last outing because to me, I didn't think you had your best stuff either. I was watching it going like, how is, how are you going to fight out of this? And I noticed at the end of the game, um, I even said it like, you're usually a silent assassin out there. And I saw a little fist pump and you were like, I think you were a little bit proud of yourself for getting out there. Just happy. Um, was I viewing that right? Um, a little bit. It sort of seemed from the beginning, it was just one of those days, you know, um, course it was I mean it was a it was a longer day our, our we've had double headers twice now coach Corbin actually said in his 20 years here we, he's never played on a Monday and we our first game of the season was a double header on a Monday so it's it's been a little bit a little bit out of whack so it's it's sort of been even more of a challenge to get into that mental that mindset of 
just you and the next pitch, you and the next pitch and kind of stay locked in on that. And from the beginning, I kind of felt mentally like it was going to be, I don't like to use the word grind, but it kind of was, it was going to be, it was going to be a grind that day. And, and that's, that's what it was. It was kind of every, every inning there were, there were runners on and it was, it was time to make, make an important pitch. And, and I mean, there's value in those games too. And, and um, obviously I wasn't happy with, with the command and sort of everything about that outing, but there were, there were definitely positives to take away from it. So do you generally focus on the positives after the outing or are you looking for ways that you t- taking little things that you can improve on too and saying, Hey, that's what I'm going to work on in between starts. Definitely, definitely working on things to improve on. Um, for me, it's, for me, it's always a change up. And then, and then whatever, whatever breaking ball was off that day, I'm, I'm working on landing that in the, in the bullpen, but, but no, it is, it is taking a lot of the positives, especially if it's a bad, a bad, bad outing. I think, I think you posted at one time of Scherzer after he got lit up or something. He said, he said, sometimes you just have to, you have to tell yourself nothing's wrong, even after, even after a really bad outing. And I think that's, that's important. And my dad's huge. He's huge in that area because I'll call him after I'm not necessarily happy with the way I pitched and, and he'll be one to say, Hey, you're going to have, you're going to have 30 more outings that are worse than that in your, in the rest of your career. And that kind of puts in perspective, like, yeah, he's right. Like you, you have to, you have to deal with the good and the bad outings just equally. And um, that's, that was important for him too. He, in those same instances, he'll send me texts, screenshots of, of his worst outings, the lines in them. And, and some of them are pretty bad. And I think that's pretty funny. And it's, it's sort of a light way to say like, yeah, you're going to have your bad outings and you got to get through those. Well, I mean, your bad outing is still not giving up any runs, which is really impressive. Like if that is your worst outing, I mean, that's, (laughs) that's fantastic. Uh, And it was just so much fun to watch. Like I enjoy watching somebody not, you know, not have their best stuff and work their way through it, which I thought told a lot about what I thought you were made of. And I think you showed it to, to everybody out there that even not having your best stuff, you were still, and that's a good team. um, And you were still able to, to shut them down and work your way out of situations. Um, I was really impressed. And I think everybody else was. One thing that impressed everybody a lot was uh, you're not getting rattled when people are, they're intentionally trying to rattle you. You have a runner jumping off uh, of second base, trying to, trying to mess you up, actually messed the hitter up in that situation. You threw a pitch um, when he stepped out. And then also when a uh, you know, batter stepping out on you for a long period of time, and you just standing there like a statue. Um, what it is that intentional is are you just ready to shove the ball down someone's throat or are you just not letting them get out of your your uh your rhythm i mean it's it's sort of just like it's not an intentional intimidation thing it's it's really just the blinders are on and and i'm so locked in on the on the catcher's glove that guy steps out it it really doesn't bother me and and it doesn't affect me and i'm i'm gonna stay there and and right when he steps back in i'm ready to go again and i know that I know that fielders appreciate it. I know that coaches appreciate it. Umpires, everyone appreciates a little bit of pace. And I think that's important. And of course, if I, if I throw two, three bad pitches, or if I walk a guy, whatever it is, I'll, I'll reset, take a walk around the mound and then get back on. But, but when I'm, when I'm really right, I think it's sort of make a pitch, get on the mound, make a pitch, get on the mound. And if, if they want to step out, they can do that, but I'll be ready when they get back in. Can you give me a little bit of the, uh, of the of the lighter stare, I want to have you a, a contest here. I got my glove. I mean, can you just like have a staring contest with me? I can do this. Blinders down, 
kind of mean look type thing. Yeah. All right. I think you're going to win. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. I mean, who influenced you on that? Is that your dad saying, keep your blinders on? Um, I know he tweeted that. Like, so I put you, I, he was impressed by your uh, mound presence out there when I tweeted that. Cause if I picked up on it too. And he's like, that's awesome kid. Keep your blinders on and make a pitch. Um, is that what's going through your head? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, I think pitching is a lot of the time there's, there's different things going through your mind and it's, it's choosing what to let come in and, and um, what to let go. And a lot of times, sometimes the, the wrong thoughts might creep into your head. Like I said, you make, you make two bad pitches and you're thinking, come on, like throw a strike here, but like, that's not really, that's not really the right mindset. So it's, it's sort of is keeping the blinders on and just trying to keep that, that neutral mindset, nothing too positive and nothing too negative. So your dad said that he was kind of a hothead on the mound and it's more of your mom's uh, personality coming out when you're pitching. Do you think that's true? I do. Yes. Um, I mean, when his, when his old games are on whatever, yes, network or one of the, one of the classic games. Um, I think it's funny. We all watch and it's, it's funny seeing him get all animated on the mound and, and uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not like that. And I'm not a guy who's going to, who's going to show a ton of emotion. Of course, if the time is there, um, there have been times in the past where I get, I'll get visibly excited on the mound, but, but for me getting too overly animated, it's, it's fun to watch, but in my mind, it's, it's not the right, it's not the right way to be. It's, it's sort of, you got out of the inning, you're supposed to get out of the inning. You, you walk off and you're going to do it again the next inning. It's not like a, like an over excitement for me, in my opinion. <laughs> Interesting. So after so these double headers, you had Kamar um, pitching before you. Do you go out there and try to try to at all try to beat his stuff, like to 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 do better than him in those outings? Because he said he was competitive with you a little bit when I interviewed him. Yeah, I definitely think we make each other better, um, and I think that's important. I think when I came in as a freshman, him coming off his incredible freshman year, and the whole team really, everyone comes in, and it's it's sort of every everyone's competing against each other in the weight room, even just whatever it is, our infielders fielding ground balls, everything's very competitive. And I think that's important. And the way Kumar goes about his business is, is definitely something that, that I've, I've taken with me and, and I've observed because, because he gets in and gets his work done and he competes just like, just like me and kind of everyone else on the staff. So I think that is important, but, but I mean, no stats wise, I've, I don't, I want him to throw a no hitter every game and I want to do the same for myself. So no, I don't think it's competitive in that way. Do you ever compete uh velo wise? I noticed that they juice the gun for you that, uh, <laughs> and, uh I, I was going like, I put it out there like Jack Leiter hitting a hundred several times in the, in the first inning. Um, did you notice that was that on the stadium gun or was that, um, did you just find out about that later? Yeah, that was the first day. And it was really the first few innings. It was on the stadium gun. The stadium gun was was definitely off that day because we, we get our uh, film back the next day and it has the track man reading under it. And in the later innings, the stadium gun was actually low. There were some like whatever, 89s and, and stuff like that that were really whatever it is, 93. Um, so I don't know. But we did notice right away their starter was throwing – whatever it was 97 98s on the gun and and he had a good arm he, he was probably 94 95 and and um, we were all like there's no way that's 98 this gun is juiced um but I mean I don't know I, I I wasn't like a huge fan of it I I kept telling people after like 
like my friends texting me, no way you threw a hundred. I was like, yeah, I did not throw a hundred today. I don't want them to expect that every start a hundred miles an hour out of me, but. Do you think you could get there? Um, I Is that a so. goal at all? Um, I don't know if I make velocity a goal, especially after an outing, like, like last week, last week, I, I think uh, I was up to, I don't know the exact decimal, but it rounded to 99 on the, on the track man gun. And, um, I mean, I don't think that's important to me. I would rather have traded those walks for three miles an hour or less on, on my max velo for the day. So, and I'll, I'll vary, I'll vary a lot. I'll vary from, I think anywhere from 91 to 98 in an outing. So, so I think velocity is not really the most important, important thing for me at all. It is, it is helpful, especially on, on the, uh, the life that my fastball gets and, and, you know. So what, what is the most important? So you, velocity would be, you have velocity, command, and movement. Um, what would you say is the most important for you? I think it goes command, movement, velocity. Um, I think, I mean, of course, you can get, you see Kyle Hendricks, he gets, he gets guys out not throwing, not throwing 90-some games, and, um, and it works for him. It's, it's, all about, it's all about command, then movement. And I think movement is important, even on pitches that aren't necessarily supposed to like move, like like my four seam fastball. I think the the perception of of it rising is kind of kind of movement in a way. So I think movement is important, but but if you can command it, I feel like you can you can beat the best hitters in the world. So people have commented on your mechanics, and everybody it, it, it is visually really good to look at like everybody's watching going if there's a I got text during the during your outing and a college pitcher texted me and said if there's a such thing as better than perfect mechanics that's what Jack Leiter has Um, again not trying to fill your head with anything but this is literally what I'm getting during games from people what how did you grow up Um, what did you focus on mechanically your dad said mechanics came first too when he was trying to you know when when he realized you were going to be a pitcher so what did you focus on when you were uh, honing those mechanics yeah it was a it was a long process I think from when I was a younger kid because I was the smaller guy I was always trying to generate so much and I still have effects of that in my delivery I definitely wouldn't say it's a it's a perfect delivery and there's still stuff that I that I work on over time, but from a young age, I, I wasn't pitching in my games. And I think that kind of helped me in terms of long, longevity because I was playing second base and I wasn't the kid who was throwing 85 miles an hour as a 13 year old pitching on Fridays and coming back on Sundays for, to win a local tournament championship as a 13 year old. I was kind of the guy who might not pitch in the whole weekend. And, and I would, I would be a little bummed maybe, but I would go back in my, in our backyard and, and I would work with my dad and um, it was always mechanics. It was mechanics hit the glove and velocity will come later, which, which it did, it did end up doing. And it, it kind of worked out that way, but, but for a while it was, it was arm path and I didn't, I didn't throw weighted balls or anything like that, but knowing now what weighted balls can do for arm path, that would have been helpful, but, but my arm would wrap around and it would get really long in the back when I was about 13 years old. And then, and then the lower half, there were some there were some spotty spotty things like I would land on a soft leg sometimes, and and my back leg would cave in. So there were some things that I worked on over time and continue to work on. So one of the things that people have pointed out, and your lower half looks fantastic now. So um, your your front leg is uh, everybody noticed how well you kind of front leg extension is that has been, that been a focus of yours? Does it come with rotation of your of your hips? I'm just curious, what are you thinking of on your lower half? 
So even last year, my back knee kind of caved in um, a little bit sooner than I would like. And kind of my, my anatomy, the, I think it's the external rotation of my hips kind of doesn't allow my, my need it to push back in, into the sit as well as other pitchers. But I do, I do work on that. Um, not, not allowing the back knee to cave in as, as early as it, as it did last year. And then it's sort of, it's really just an aggressive, an aggressive push off the mound. It, in, in my opinion, it gets a little bit too aggressive even sometimes. My stride, I think, is – I want to say it's like 80, 82 or 84 inches, which is, which is very long. And that can, that can be a little bit of a challenge to get over the, get over the front side. And that's why I think I really stress um, lower body workouts and strengthening the lower body because, because that's important if I'm going to have that, that long of a stride to, to be able to get over it and still leg block in the front at the right time. But I think ideally I would like to shorten that stride by a couple inches over time. So maybe become a little more rotational versus linear. Is that what you mean? Maybe the goal or. I think so. And yeah. And there's just, there's just certain mechanic mechanical things. Um, I think this, this past weekend I got a little bit pushy and my, my extension was actually further than usual, which I think could have been, could have been part of it. And my release height was a little bit lower. So I think I was getting pushy. So I think to work on getting on top and getting that, that good pull down is, is helpful. So your legs look like they've gotten, I mean, you look just bigger. Um, how has the strength and conditioning program at Vandy helped you? Um, and is that true? Like, are, are you, where you are working on lower half stuff, lower half strength to be able to leg block and to get your uh, rotational power? Definitely. Yes. The, the strength coaches at Vanderbilt are, are amazing. And, and even my strength coach back, back at home that I started working with, I think sophomore year of high school, um, his name's Mickey Bruckner and it's called the annex and a few of the guys, Rick Porcello and a few big league guys work out there as well. And, and he's always stressed arm care as well as, as well as the important things for a pitcher, mainly the, the lower body lifts. And I'm not one who's, who likes to go too heavy on the upper body and just looking at guys like DeGrom, you, you can see pretty clearly that you don't need to be this big muscular guy to throw, to throw a hundred miles an hour like he does. So to me, that means if, if I am benching, it's going to be dumbbell bench light for, for reps and kind of work on that explosiveness, but, but never anything like to bulk up upper body, but, but the lower body lifts are, are really important. And especially in the off season, I always say the off season when I don't pick up a ball, I'm not a guy who throws year round. I'll shut down for at least a month in high school. I would shut down for two months and, and um, really take that time to, to get after it in the weight room. And, and I would always say that the time I'm not throwing a baseball is when I improve the most as a pitcher, because, because everything, once I come back from that off season of getting stronger, just feels more effortless. And it's kind of like, you're just dropping it in the catcher's glove. If that makes a lot of sense. I'd always told like my son growing up, I would sit there and say, you want to, you want to work so hard in the off season that people are like, their, their jaws drop like, Oh, that's the same kid. Like just improve, take that time when everyone else is not working to improve yourself. Definitely. Uh, so let's go over some some pitch grips. Uh, I want to see why you get such ride on your fastball, and then we can go over your uh, wicked curveball, your cutter, your slider, and you also are working on a changeup, right? Yes, yes. So so the fastball is honestly pretty standard. I'd say that my dad always said it maybe like a a finger or a pencil width in between the fingertips. 
not too wide, but I mean, guys like Glasno, I mean, he's wide. So I guess it just works differently for everybody. And um, I try not to choke it too much. I messed around with, with uh, the thumb, but I do like to just, just place it down there. And um, I mean, it's just, it's an aggressive pull down. And, and from my lower release height, I think, I think that pull down is, is sort of what causes the rising effect. And, and I guess that's the silver lining of being six foot and not six four is that, that that pitch can, can get a little more life to it. Interesting. That's uh, Stroman and I talked about that too, where if you're not a giant pitcher, actually you may have an advantage by keeping it up in the zone, especially if you can get some life on it. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so I, I stopped throwing a two seamer. So pretty standard. Uh, is, is, I saw uh, some run on one of your pitches and I was like, that had to be a two seamer, but it's your fat is your four seamer running, right? Yeah. Yeah. The four seamer does, does run a little bit. Um, it gets, it gets a decent amount of horizontal on it. When I, when I, um, sometimes I'll release it a little more out, not even intentionally, but when I get on top and the spin axis is closer to, to 12 o'clock, it, that's when it, it really doesn't run at all. And it's, it's just got the ride to it. Um, but yeah, so for now I'm, I'm not throwing, I'm not throwing a two seam, just putting it in the back pocket, maybe, maybe, uh, someday soon I'll, I'll start messing around with it and get again, but I just, I kind of didn't have the feel for it, for the running fastball. Um, let's see what's next. Maybe a curveball. Yeah. Let's see your curveball. The curveball is pretty standard. I've, I've thrown it this way since I was 13 years old and my dad taught me it's just right along this seam here and uh, a little bit of the thumb here on this seam. I think, I think Wainwright was talking about how he used the thumb a little bit as well. So you use your thumb a tiny bit, a little bit. Yes. And ideally just this, this middle finger is pulling down, but oftentimes my index finger will pull down too, which I've, which I've noticed is, is probably not doing me a favor in terms of spin rates and all that. So, so maybe one day I'll mess around with a, with a spike or something, but for now it's, it's right here. And, and from a young age, my dad said, get on top and, and throw it aggressively, but mainly focus on how many times you can, you can spin the ball. And I think that's an interesting way to think of it is just get on top and, and spin it, spin it hard. And uh, instead of trying to make it break. Were you throwing that fairly young? I was, yes. And that was sort of, that was always the pitch that I threw other than a fastball until I don't know what it was, maybe sophomore year of high school, junior year of high school, when I started messing on the slider and change up. Do you think that gives you a little bit of advantage? Like some people don't start till later and is spinning the baseball something that if you do it a long, long time, like if you start it young, maybe you're better at it. I think that could be a, that could be a possibility. Um, I mean, that's, that's just what my dad was saying from a young age. And honestly, I feel like from an arm health standpoint, if you're throwing a curveball the right way, it, it's honestly less stressed than, than a fastball. And that's, that's kind of the way I see it. Even when I'm throwing it, throwing it really aggressively, I just get on top and I'm, I'm spinning it hard. And um, that's kind of when it's at its best. But, but I do think that spinning it comes easier to some people, like just like how, how a changeup comes easy to some people, obviously not, not the case for me, but I think it is a lot of times one or the other. Gotcha. So let's go to the slider. Yeah, the slider. Um, this is kind of how my dad threw it. It's on this seam instead of the curveball being on this one, it's right here. And I used to throw it uh, thumb on the bottom like this. And actually I think you posted a, about Dan Straley. He, he has it up on the side and I, over quarantine, I started throwing it up on the side and I felt like that gave me more horizontal break and it was more consistent. 
I've messed around with exactly where, but I've kind of settled right here for now. And for that one, I'm just thinking throw it like a football and and um, try to get that try to get that horizontal break. And and right now for me, it's just it's just about landing it because I like the break that it's getting. But the past couple outings, it's been it's been a little bit of a glove side yank. So so it's finding that consistency. But I mean, that's a pitch that I always like to mess around with. I just saw the that Adovino actually goes this side with it, which I think is actually kind of an interesting, interesting way to do it. So, so that's one that I'm always messing around with. Gotcha. Yeah, I just wanted to say, you seem like you want to tinker with stuff to make it as good as you can do it. Like, why not, right? Learn from yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, um, cutter, let's see. Cutter is, is similar. So, so this, I'm up on it, and the thumbs up here on the side a little bit. And cutter is further back on the seam right here. A little bit of an offset thumb underneath and that one i i try to really think it's a fastball this this a little more white showing on this side and if i throw it like a fastball i don't want it to be too big i want it i want the catcher to say that it looked like it was pretty close to a fastball and just that little bit of cut i think um is helpful just enough to miss, miss a sweet spot of the bat but not enough that the batter can really pick it up yes yeah. yes that was my dad's go-to pitch so he helps with that yeah, not bad. Mm -hmm. uh, and and your work in progress, your changeup. Now you saw my changeup video, right? So you have a lot of things to choose from. No, no. So I've so I've been moving it around pretty much constantly since quarantine. So over quarantine, I started throwing a ball kind of like this, um, with my fingertips off the ball and just pulling down, trying to get that like because I do have trouble getting getting any pitch to move aggressively arm side. So I was thinking if I could get even half as good of a Giolito type changeup, just falling down, that would be kind of ideal. But recently I've been, I've been throwing it and just subconsciously, it's not a pitch that I can rip aggressively and, and I've been babying it a little bit. So I'm actually planning on switching and I've been throwing it lately and I kind of like it to the, the one seam, kind of like how Stroman was saying, he throws it with this finger right here on the outside and, and ripping down on that seam, as well as um, kind of, getting this index finger off the ball. So, so if I can like rest it comfortably on that, that thumb right there and just, just rip it. I think, I think that's what I'm seeing is the most important part of a good changeup. And that's something that I've never really been able to confidently do is, is throw it at equally as aggressive or even more mentally as, as the fastball and kind of just have it, have, even if it does a little bit, I think that's, that's a good, that's a good pitch to lefties and righties really. Absolutely. And, and I know Scherzer calls it his mid-range jumper, which is a field pitch. I mean, you're gonna, you'll figure it out because you can do everything else on the, on the bump. I have 100% faith that you'll figure it out. Um, one quick qu other question, and then I'll let you go because I know you have uh, practice and all that fun stuff. Um, who was your idol growing up? Who do you model your game after? Um, either today's game or, you know, when, whenever. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, of course, my dad's one of them. Um, I think that's just, that's a given because the way that he taught me his curveball and all his mental cues are the same as mine and then it carries over. So I think, I think that's an easy one, but, but um, I mean, Jose Fernandez was, was my favorite pitcher and, and um, that was, he was fun to watch. I tried to watch every time he pitched. And then in more recent years, like the past couple of years, I've, I really do like like watching Bieber pitch the way he throws this year, and and it's sort of an arsenal that I that I like to compare compare to what mine could be, and um, of course um, the Vanderbilt guys. So Sonny Gray, Sonny Gray's 
Um, he's been here the week before he left for spring training. I watched him throw a couple bullpens. So that was, that was really fun to see just the way he talks through his bullpens and, and his pitches. And he's another one that I like to model my game after. I know Walker, I think it was Walker giving you a shout out too during the game, just uh, watching along, going, you know, just laughing at how good you were. So, uh, yeah, that was really cool. Was really cool. <laughs> You've got a really tight knit group, and I love the fact that the Vandy pitchers stick together. So, that's uh, you got a great support group, and you are potential leader of all of them in the future. So, uh, pay it forward, my man. You, you have a, uh, a great mindset for the game, and, I, and it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, cool. Well, you can, uh, you can go to practice and this was great, dude. You did fantastic. And I think, uh, people are going to love it. I love how, like, just keep, keep tearing it up, keep being yourself and, and, uh, and I'll keep giving you shout outs with me. Thank you. And I really appreciate everything you do. It's actually, it's so helpful for pitchers. I mean, I would say 90% of me messing around with grips, like I said, with Straley's stuff is, is coming from, coming from your, your Twitter page. So I, I know a lot of pitchers do the same. That's awesome. I'll have to let Straley know too, because I know he'll appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, take care. I don't want to hold you because I know you've got to go and I know you don't want to be late because you'll have to run polls or something. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> take care, my man. Strike three!